All right, just to catch you up with the latest, my dog uh, just peed all over the carpet. Big old yellow puddle of piss. He used to do it when he was a puppy, and now he does it because he's an elderly old beagle, and it happens. And guess what? I clean it, and I have a lot of rags, and I have a lot of carpet cleaning supplies, and I have a lot of patience. And sometimes when I clean it, believe it or not, the rug starts to become even cleaner than before he even pissed all over it. How could that be? Because I start to vacuum and then I notice other areas of the rug that are kind of dirty. So I address those and I start to clean, 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 clean. And then it's a very clean carpet. And then I zoom out a little bit and I notice how ugly the whole carpet is. Even if it's clean, I go, maybe we need laminate flooring in this room. Let's just get rid of the whole carpet. And that whole process, all of that reasoning comes from an ugly mess called elderly beagle piss. That's the mess. Then it gets my mind thinking, hmm, how could we make this cleaner than ever? Today, I would not have cleaned this carpet at all. Wouldn't have even thought about it unless Muggsy peed all over it. So let's take a step away from that for a moment. You've spilled coffee on your carpet, right? Have you ever spilled some red wine on your carpet? And then you clean it and you clean it and you clean it. And you go, all right, I guess, you know, it's as clean as it'll ever be. Or maybe you got it even cleaner than it was prior. You got a new perspective of the whole carpet, of the whole floor, and said, yeah, this has to get much cleaner. Welp, George Floyd was murdered by a cop in Minneapolis, and that is a stain for this country. That's an ugly mess. And now we zoom out a little bit and go, okay, the system is broken. How can we make sure that we clean it up a little bit? And not just give it lip service, not just write something clever on your social media platform, and not just get upset for a couple of days and protest in the streets peacefully, which is nice. Of course, there's some looting and rioting going on as well. But is this going to be the old, oh, then we lapse back into the same dynamic that really doesn't work in this country? Or do we actually look at this moment, this ugly, brutal murder, which was caught on tape, just like everything nowadays, and think this could trigger some actual change? It's more of a mindset. It's not legislative. It's not like we have to look at the laws right now. You can't legally murder a black person. Black people can legally vote now. Slavery has been abolished, but what we're seeing nowadays, it's the remnants of all these things culminating into a very uneven playing field. White people have head starts. Equality would mean anybody who's been behind, based on the way we originally wrote out this constitution for women, for gay people, for black people, other minorities... Now that we've made some changes, there's some catching up to do. Some catching up. We all got to catch up a little bit because it's very uneven. And there's a hierarchy that's been exposed time and time again. But when it gets exposed on a viral video, during a time where everybody is quarantined, during a shelter in place, during a pandemic, during a time of extreme unemployment, watching our economy tank, where the vitriolic exchanges that we see daily on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, message boards... So this perfect recipe for disaster that's happening right now, that was the spark. What a confluence of events. You think about what has happened right now. There have been so many black men killed by cops over the years, yet this one had a bit of a different reaction. This one reflected the angst of many, not just black people, white people, other minorities, other races who say enough's enough. Black lives do matter. And when you say something like that, if the response is, well, all lives matter, then whoever's saying that doesn't understand. I mean, I could call him a fucking moron, but I just want to say they're misinformed. They don't understand what the topic is. The topic is 
about black lives mattering, period. Not black lives matter more than other lives. Nobody's saying that. So there's subtle racism going on right now. There's systemic racism. There's the residue of, well, my grandpa did it like this and my dad did it like this, so I do it like that. Nah, nah. Detaching from family tradition or characteristics that you've seen in previous years, detaching is going to be the hardest part. And a lot of people are even pessimistic that it could even happen. Could we really detach from hundreds of years of suppressing black people and a broken nation that was set up in such a backwards way for black people? Can we really, you know, rectify this situation? I don't know. I'd like to say I'll do my part. My wife will do her part. Hopefully our neighbors do our part. My group of friends does its part. As a teacher, I can certainly do my part. It's kind of a beautiful thing to think about right now is that educators are going to have some power. The onus will be on us. And I like to say us, no matter what grade you teach, or you could be a teacher. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. Teachers don't just come in classrooms. There's teachers all over. And these are the people that could teach new ways are very possible. We're in a mess right now. Got to clean it up. Simple to say, right? It goes way before we became a country. I'm not going to act like America invented slavery and police brutality and racial injustice. No, 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 no. It goes way, way before we adopted these evil ways. But we did. We did carry it into this country, and now we're seeing the ugliness come to the surface time and time again. And here's a weird thought. This is as good as it's ever been for black people in America. The 90s, worse than this, the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, the 1930s, the 1920s, previously, previously, it was worse, it was worse, it was worse, it was worse. So think about that. Right now is the best it's ever been for black people in this country, which is kind of demoralizing. But if we're ascending, I can accept that. Most activists know it's about planting the seeds. It's not about actually seeing this resolution in your lifetime. It won't be in my lifetime, but Martin Luther King, he died thinking, all right, maybe after me and I will die one day and hope the same thing. Maybe after me, we'll see a little bit of equality come to the surface. Unfortunately, we do sell a lot of lies in this country when we teach the Pledge of Allegiance to all these kids to stand up and pledge allegiance You're five years old. You're in kindergarten. Do you even know what the word allegiance means? Oh, you don't? Okay, pledge allegiance to that flag. Yeah, that one right there. Of the United States of America, exactly with the stripes and the stars. And to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. There's the lie. When we say for all. The pledge of allegiance. Liberty and justice for all. It has never been for all, but we indoctrinate our kids to stand up proud And recite that for all part. And this goes back to the 1800s. And there are so many areas of this country I have a lot of pride in. And then so many where you go, kind of want to distance myself from that aspect of the country. So it can be both. Just like a lot of things in life. The yin, the yang. The good, the bad. The heavy, the light. It's both. Plenty of black people could say, I love a lot about this country. Love a lot about this country. Police brutality. Not a fan of that. Prison systems. Not a fan of that. White flight and the creation of these ghettos, not a fan of that. Inability to rise professionally in certain workforces, not a fan of that. But sure, fan of a lot of other aspects of the country. This has nothing to do with supporting the military. It has nothing to do with the conflicts and wars we've been a part of, victoriously fighting off Nazism, totalitarianism, dictatorships, and other threatening ideologies. Yeah, this is separate. People like to lump it all in, lump it all in, lump it all in. Let's not lump. Let's not lump. Let's compartmentalize. Some things work, some things don't. But when you think about lumping, lump, 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 lumping everything in to the news right now, 
to the year 2020? How much can we fucking handle? Seriously, are you sad right now? A lot of you listening to this, the answer is probably, yeah, I am. There's just a residue of sadness consuming me lately. And I agree. The final assignment for my students this year, I just said, hey, if you're a teacher 15 years from now, how are you going to teach the year 2020? Create some lesson plans, summarize the major stories. And I mean major stories. Of course, COVID-19 and the George Floyd murder and the protests and the riots. But you go back. Kobe Bryant died this year. The Australian brush fires, protests in Delhi, the earthquake in Turkey. It's only June. What is this? What is 2020? What is this year? It's too much. Of course we're going to erupt. Of course there's looting and rioting. Who's surprised by that? You don't have to condone it, but come on. People are at the brink. People have been at the brink. Hey, you can't go outside. You can't socialize. A lot of you have lost your jobs. We don't know when a cure uh, treatment vaccine is coming. We just don't know. The ugly rhetoric destroying our parties. My God, if you even got into Republicans versus Democrats right now, are you fucking kidding? Is there any uglier battle that's constant, just below the belt, shot after shot after shot after shot, barely even discussing politics anymore, just shot after shot after shot after shot. So guess what I did? Guess what I did? I got off Twitter. I did it. I didn't think I would, but just like any addict, and I was addicted to Twitter, probably tapping the app 50 times a day and scrolling and scrolling and seeing fights, seeing buildings burning, seeing people yell at one another, name calling, and then more fights just got to the toxic level where I said, wait, I don't have to tap the app. And I felt myself being removed from the positivity that surrounds me, having a nice wife, a nice daughter, nice house, living in a nice town. Why am I constantly feeling this shitty anxiety? And it's okay to be informed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting my head in the sand, but getting rid of Twitter, done with Instagram, it's healthy. I was on the couch with my wife last night and she had to coach me through it. Now delete it. It's easy. And I felt it. I honestly felt the weight come off of me. This morning was the first dog walk I've had, I don't know, in my dog's lifetime, where I wasn't just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through Twitter and Twitter and tweet and like and comment and tweet and quit tapping the damn app. Quit tapping the damn app. Quit. I couldn't. It was just muscle memory. My hand would go to my pocket, tap the bird, tweet, you know what comes at you, and scroll. And then I'd put the phone down and go, I feel different. I feel shittier right now, but I would do it again and again and again and again. Addiction is so weird how our brains could become wired to that. So I'm on day one, cold turkey, no Twitter. How do I sound? Good? Do I sound good? I feel good. I feel good. Started to eat well as well today as well. So do I sound great? No? Same old, same old? All right. Oh, 2020, you big piece of shit. Look at you. I think most people know how history classes are taught in units. These are the Roaring Twenties. That's the Great Depression. Here's World War I. We teach about World War II. We could teach about the Holocaust and Vietnam, the Korean War. We teach about the Cold War. What is 2020? Its own unit. There's so much news. And I mean awful news. Every time you turn on the TV, the radio, or go to your phone. I've never lived in a phase of life that felt so historic. And let's be honest, the way history is taught, a lot of the time, you're focusing on the major negatives, major negatives that shaped the world. How does the world get shaped? I guess you hit rock bottom. I guess you have massive transformations based in uprisings of enough people are pissed off. Enough people are pissed off and demanding changes. That's happening right now. Enough people are pissed off right now. This country's changing. It won't be immediate, but something's happening. Something's happening. 
if democracy means power to the people to make some changes and people actually utilize what democracy can be, not always when you have corrupt politicians, it's not always used that way, but what democracy can be, oh my God, this could be something monumental. It could be something beautiful. I'm choosing to be optimistic. I'm off Twitter. Listen how optimistic I'm going to end this rant with. It's going to be the best New Year's Eve ever. When we get rid of 2020, usually I don't like to categorize one year's good and one year's bad, but this is bad. Yeah, this is bad. So 2021, I'm going big New Year's Eve. I'm going big. Probably 240s, 340s, Mickey's 40s. Could you imagine? Oh my God. The last time I had 40s, pretty sure I committed to being a rapper many, 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 many years ago. 40 answers will do that to you. They'll bring you to a new place mentally where you go, you know what? I think I could be a rapper. And I mean that actually, even right now, as sober as it gets, feeling healthy right now, I still think I could be a rapper. This will be the most braggadocious, egomaniacal, arrogant aspect of the podcast, but I'm kind of not kidding. And here's when I had that realization. Two weeks ago, I needed a show. I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And we got Hulu now because we needed another streaming service to be disappointed with. So Hulu shows me a show called Dave. I've never heard of Dave Bird, and I've never heard of Lil Dicky, but the show description was Jewish rapper finds success, and I go, yup, and I ask my wife, and she goes, yup, and we don't know who Lil Dicky is. I don't even realize how famous he is. It's a 10-episode season. It's called Dave on FXX and Hulu, and I think it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. We finished it in about four nights, and it was well-written. It was funny, at times relatable. It was intense. They cover all sorts of topics. It's not just about rap. They cover love. They cover fear. They cover bipolar disorder. They cover it all. And it's loosely based on his real life. The acting was superb. And I think the real guy, Dave Bird, he is a better actor than me. He is way more confident than me. Better marketer than me. Better networker than me. But when I started to listen to his rhymes and I actually started to listen to his songs I did not have the overwhelming feeling that he was a better rapper than me I said it I believe I am just as good as Lil Dicky and he is real famous he used his bar mitzvah money to make music videos and to get big time rappers to drop verses on his songs so he would rise up in the hip-hop world and he's a total joke his songs are jokes so there's the brilliant part. It's all self-deprecation, making fun of himself, actually exposing what rap is. Rap is all self-promotion. Rap is all, I have the hottest women. I have the best jewelry. I have the best rhymes. I have the best personality, the best clothes, the best cars. Look at me. The game of rap is really just let's make ourselves look great, look cool. And it works because kids like rap. Middle schoolers, high schoolers love rap. That's the appeal. A good rapper wants to look the coolest. And then Lil Dicky comes and he doesn't want to look the coolest. But he's a good rapper. He is good. His rhymes are interesting. You actually want to listen to every lyric because he's telling a story. He's making fun of himself and he's making pretty quality jokes. And at the end of it, I go, what if I spent every single hour that I have had focused towards being a high school teacher or a dad or a husband or this podcast? Okay, this podcast doesn't really consume too much time, but really. Dave Bird is not a dad. He's not a husband. Doesn't really have a job anymore. So all the hours that he spends writing these clever rhymes, I go, if I had that, I'd be just as good. 
could never have his success, of course, because like I mentioned, better marketer, he knows how to network, he knows how to trust his confidence. I'm impressed. I mean, I love the guy. I'd like to meet the guy. Would love to chill with Lil Dicky. But I actually spent three minutes after I finished the final episode going, yeah, I'm just as good. It's a weird moment. And I spent four to five seconds saying, should I just drop everything? Should I try? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. In my entire life, in 38 years, I think I've spent a total of 14 minutes actually thinking I would be a rapper. Actually thinking I would be a professional rapper. I think that's the path for me. In the dorms, in college at San Diego State, hearing underground rap for the first time, hearing hieroglyphics, Black Alicious, Living Legends. You kidding me? I would hear this and go, oh, oh, oh my God, that's a different genre. That's not Ludacris and Nelly on the radio, all that shit. But the first time I heard some real quality underground rap, oh my God, I was thinking, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'd like to do. Should we talk about the, oh, but I'm white part? The cultural appropriation part of this? Should we just mention that? But hey, if we're striving for equality, right? If we're striving for equality, huh? Make the playing field even in every field? Eh, probably not. Some professions will just always be dominated by a certain culture. We know that. That's the mindset put into place many, many years ago. Way before me, way before you. When you look at some professions and you go, oh yeah, but those are typically uh, jobs for Indian people. Oh, those are typically jobs for Jews. Oh, those are typically jobs for Chinese people. Oh, those are typically jobs for Mexican people. Oh, those are typically jobs for women. Oh, those are typically jobs for black people. You've heard this, you know it, you've seen it. Now, none of that is part of the constitution. None of that is the actual law. But it's just these social norms that we've all accepted and seen for so long. We just go, oh, that, that's how it is. That's how it is. That's the number one thing we have to break away from is the, oh, well, that's how it is. That's how it is. There's so many non-racist white people right now that are feeling guilty because they do nothing to advance the causes of people really suffering in this country. There are so many guilty white people feeling sad right now because they realize I'm not racist and I do nothing. And now that could be viewed as kind of racist. You feel me? You just want to hear me rap now. You think I'm all talk, don't you? One of these podcasts, not this one. New, new, not episode 94. Come on. Maybe episode 100. Maybe it'll just be 30 minutes of me trying to freestyle. And I mean freestyle. I mean gather around the keg in a backyard party. And when it's your turn to rhyme, you get about 20 seconds. Not Lil Dicky on a morning radio show with his pre-written rhymes, which are spectacular. Don't get me wrong. But Lil Dicky made a name for himself spitting freestyles, which are not actual freestyles. That's one thing that has changed in the hip-hop world. People say, do you have bars? Do you have written rhymes? Easy. Show me a good freestyler. Show me the first scene in 8 Mile. Maybe it wasn't the first scene. I, I forget the movie, but I know there were some good battles. Some good old-fashioned Marshall Mathers battles. What am I talking about? What am I, what am I, what am I gonna do? Lita, Lita. You ever have a song get stuck in your head and you realize, oh, that's a real song. And then you go, how could that have ever been a song? Lito. There were actually people who liked Lito. Lito. What the fuck does it mean, Boz Skaggs? Do you know? Does anybody just fully understand the message in the song? Josh, you're missing it. Leto had quite a journey. And then, whoa, 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 is him rising up, facing his issues, and getting over the hurdles. Leto, too dumb of a song. 
became a hit, became a hit. Think about one song right now that you've heard that has become a hit where you go, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get how people took this seriously at some point. Maybe something from the 70s or 80s, even the 90s that you've heard and you go, I don't get it. That's me with Lido. The Lido Shuffle. Ho, ho, ha, ho, yo, yo, ho. All right, here's the opposite of self-promotion. I once wrote a book. Chances are you haven't read it. I once wrote a book and it's the exact opposite of a New York Times bestseller. So I guess you would call that a New York Times worst seller, but at least it's still associated with the New York Times. What's that? Oh, no, no, it's not. Not associated at all. Why do I bring this up? Because I wrote this book. Actually, I started writing this book when I was in college and then just added a little every year, every year, every year, every year. And then in 2012, I published it and the book is out and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and websites. I love when people still tell you where to find their stuff. Just Google it. You like that after interviews with the celebrity? Where can people find you? Where can people find you? Uh, you know, all the sites, all the platforms. So you can find this book suddenly facing reality anywhere, anywhere, big time. Actually, it's not big time. And I still get random calls. Honestly, every two months, I get random calls from publishing companies that I've never heard of and you've never heard of asking if they could start promoting my book. And it's always somebody who sounds like a robot that doesn't really know me or my book, but they pretend like they know me and my book. And sometimes I used to call them back. I don't anymore. I don't anymore. But sometimes I would call them back and say, all right, what are we going to do? Turn it into a movie? And the conversations are always just like, no, actually, we're looking for you to give us some money. And I go, let's not have a talk anymore. What do you say? You hang up the phone and I hang up the phone. But I'm going to play you right now a voicemail. I'm just going to play it straight up. A voicemail for the most recent alien publisher who left me a message and then we're really going to analyze it because it's so weird, but I want you to experience it all at once and then we're going to break it down. So here we go. Hello, Josh. Good afternoon. Josh, this is Ray. Ray Asner from Stratton. I was Stratton Press. I'm a senior acquisition specialist here. And by the way, Stratton is a hybrid publishing company down in Delaware. I would like to talk to you about your book, Josh, uh, Suddenly Facing Reality, the one you published way back 2012. The reason why I'm giving you a call is that your book was recommended by one of our book scouts from Amazon. So that's why I'm giving you a call today, because I would like to see if I can um, get your book evaluated by our head editor for us to know if we can qualify your book uh, to be a part of our portfolio for this year. Right now, we are now finalizing the list of books that we were going to publish for this year, and I would like to give your book a chance. So, Josh, if you have a spare time, please give me a call back as soon as possible because this is really important. And that's it. Um, I wish you a beautiful afternoon, and please Stay safe and take care, okay? I need to go. Hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye for now. Oh my good Lord. Couldn't make that up. You can't make that up. Should we play a game called Which Part Was the Weirdest? As you're listening to that, you're like, no way. Ray? Ray with your made-up name? Reading from a script? 
That doesn't make much sense. If I call him back, I promise to record that for this podcast as well. But let's just break it down real quick. Hello, Josh. Good afternoon. Josh, this is Ray. Ray Asner from Stratton. Uh, No, it's not. That's not your name. You're from Mars. Ray Asner from Stratton. I was right impressed. I'm a senior acquisition specialist here. And by the way, Stratton is the hybrid publishing company down in Delaware. Down in Delaware? Okay. What are we doing with this map? I would like to talk to you about your book, Josh, uh, Suddenly Facing Reality, the one you published way back 2012. The reason why I'm giving you a call is that your book was recommended by Juan of our book scout from App. Juan or one of your book scouts? And no, it wasn't recommended. Nobody's read it. Come on. Juan of your book scouts was Googling and found me and I'm... The Golden Child? Tell me more, Ray. So that's why I'm giving you a call today, because I would like to see if I can um, get your book evaluated by our head editor for us to know if we can qualify your book uh, to be a part of our portfolio for this year. What is that? Portfolio for this year? I'd love to just say yes. You know what, Ray? Your pitch was one of the most beautifully crafted I've ever heard. I will submit my book for whatever you were describing, and I have no clue what it is, but I'm in. Right now, we are now finalizing the list of books that we were going to publish for this year, and I would like to give your book a chance. Thanks, Ray. So, Josh, if you have a spare time, please give me a call back as soon as possible, because this is really important. What does that mean? This is really freaking big? Or really breaking? Once again, he went back to Martian talk. Come on, Ray. And that's it. Um, I wish you a beautiful afternoon. And please stay safe and take care. He wished me a beautiful afternoon and said at least stay safe. Come on. Okay, I need to go. Hope to talk to you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye for now. Bye, Ray. He needs to go. Hello, Josh. Good afternoon. Ray needed to go. All right, Ray. Go. Go back to your comfy leather chair in Delaware with your Rolodex. Hey, look, it is Josh Rosenberg. Let us offer him something that is completely made up, unintelligible, and leave him what is probably the greatest voicemail ever. Oh, boy. I get those all the time. I'm going to learn to enjoy them. At first, I used to be like, oh, God, what is this? John Grisham doesn't deal with Ray. And now I'm like, bring it. Bring me more Ray. I think we should end with Ray, too. I probably have more dog piss to clean up, so I should tend to that. But I appreciate you tuning into episode 94. Drop a rating on iTunes. I always say that. And I can't say follow me on Twitter anymore because I'm done. Cold turkey. Goodbye. Mental health is at a premium right now. I wish you all the best. And I hope you can surround yourselves with positivity and purpose today. Huh? It's a hot ending. All right, episode 94 is in the books. I'll talk to you soon.